the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Oh man, it's great to be back with you. This is kind of a special episode. I am in the room with a wonderful sound technician, Esteban Juan, who is helping us. <laughs> he doesn't have a microphone though right now. We were not willing to give him that power. <laughs> he's <laughs> now, still too new for that. <laughs> now he's going to mute us. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, but thank you for thank you for helping us out. Um, AJ is helping us out from afar as well. He has really helped us in this time. But Really, uh, we don't have the rest of the uh, Worthless Servants with us, so it's just going to be Emily and me. Normally, we kind of uh, introduce ourselves. The main ourselves. Worthless Servants. The main, the really <laughs> the worthless, worthless ones. Servants. We are truly <laughs> worthless. So, But yeah, I am Scott Armstrong. That's Emily Armstrong. Hey, yeah, exactly, that you just heard. Um, th- why is this kind of a special episode? Well, we are currently, now you'll hear this a few weeks after this, but we are currently in the midst of what we call a re-entry retreat with some missionaries that we sent out in October of 2019. Man, that was pre-pandemic, folks. Um, and it, they have planted churches in the midst of a global pandemic. Uh, we we were hearing their stories. We've received them back, uh, stories of God's faithfulness. And we just said, we've got to sit down and record uh, uh, an episode that just deals with some of their stories. And so uh, a lot of them don't, don't necessarily, uh, are, aren't confident in English, we should say. And so we're just kind of try to tell some of their stories. So first of all, M, uh, I mean, right now this week has been a blessing. You and I have come home at different points and we've just said, this is why we love being missionaries. <laughs> like, like what is this week meant to you? Yeah, I think um, I've used that term re-entry retreat with people that I know, like when I'm talking to them, when they say, oh, what are you doing this week or whatever? I'm like, oh, we're doing re-entry retreat. And I think we use that word like everybody knows what it is, but it's actually something that we kind of created on our own. So I think it's good to say what it is. Um, All these missionaries that have been on assignment for two years literally came back to Santo Domingo so that they could spend five days with us so that we could talk with them about what it's like to be finishing a missionary assignment and to go back to their countries of origin or their countries that sent them to be missionaries. Um, And so there's certain things that go along with that side of missionary life that not a lot of people think about about what it's like to go back home and you've had all of these cultural experiences that maybe people in your house or your local church have not had. And so how do you communicate that story? How do you uh, inspire people? How do you have all of these life experiences that are very exciting to you, but maybe isn't super exciting to somebody else to listen to all the time? So for a few days, I would say three and a half to four days, we've been talking about these different types of re-entry for a missionary and and like Scott said, for us, it's been really encouraging. Uh, we love being mission with missionaries and training them. That's our main assignment. So we sometimes people are like, what do you really do? And it's it's very hard to say what we do. But man, the week that we've spent with them of talking with them about being missionaries, what they've done, hearing God work through uh, their obedience, is, it's just been life-giving. It's been life-giving to us. Well, and even like, I don't know if people can hear this. We have finally some pretty good equipment that we're working with here but i think like you can probably hear we can hear them laughing in right. like in the background and they're in a completely different room and everything but like we're not going to tell them hey we're recording and you got to be really i mean th- they are back 
for this week and they're just celebrating what God has done and they're just uh they're just talking and they're just sharing stories and they're and they're in a weird way, we hope that this week becomes like a little bit of, of home before they get home, yeah. right? Because they, they're not going to, we've talked in previous episodes about the uh, culture shock when they get back. You know, you're prepared when you go from home to a foreign land, right. but when you go back to what's supposed to be home and you've changed, maybe some people have changed, that's not always the home that you expect. And so we've hoped to provide them well, the word says it, retreat. We've right. hoped to give them just rest, but also to just kind of allow them to share and to process. And, and we've been pouring into them too, man. So, um, well, I mean, let's, let's kind of tell some of the, some of the things that, that they've told us in the past, in the past few, uh, few days. Yeah. I actually have a question for you. Okay. I have a question for you as you've been listening to their stories and, uh, I guess we shouldn't assume that people know they've been serving in Shayla, Guatemala point. for two years. Shayla um, is better known as Quetzaltenango, which is the name of the city. Um, and the other team was in Monterrey, Mexico, uh, two different cities. But I would love to know, as you've been listening to their stories, has there been kind of like a, a through line of there's two totally different sites, two totally different strategies, two totally different cities? Um, has there been something that through the past three and a half, four days of listening to their stories of two years of what it's been like to be missionaries that's kind of come to the top for you? I think something that's been in all of their uh, testimonies have there, there are two things that come to mind uh, answering your question. One would be creativity. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and we probably should start telling some of those stories. I mean, like just what they have done when all of a sudden after five months they were sent and there were about four or five months of, Hey, we're doing ministry as we've kind of known it. We've grown accustomed to the place. And then the global pandemic, I know that it hit Asia and some other places before us, but, uh, but really it hit our countries in about March of 2020. And that was five months in and just how they adapted. We'll tell you some more stories about that. Uh, but I'm, they're just resilient and creative. And I think the other thing deals with that too, persistence. I mean, I think all of our missionaries that we've sent out have had moments of just like, uh, I, I wanted to throw in the towel. I wanted to give up. I didn't know how this was going to work, you know, but especially this team. I mean, when you're, when you're quarantined or when, or, or when you're in your, in your house, like all of our missionaries, there were six of them. There was a couple that we sent to Monterey, Mexico, and then the four that we sent to, to Quetzaltenango, Guatemala. Like, I mean, they are passionate. They're on fire. They're excited. They, and then you tell them, okay, you got to stay in your in your room. <laughs> don't go to the community. Yeah. Don't, don't touch people. Don't talk to people. <laughs> yeah, literally, like, you cannot do any of this stuff that you've been prepared for. Right. And even what they felt like was called for, called to, you know. Um, but they persevered, and they, were, they, they figured out technology helped, but also they figured out we can go out at certain times and in certain ways, um, not to necessarily be a long time with the people, but at least to give them some materials or at least to encourage them with some letters. Or, mm-hmm. and, and in fact, maybe I turn it back to you. What are some of those creative ways that they decided to use and maybe God led them to use? Yeah, I think one of the things that um, I remember reading about in their report, and then they were speaking about it with us just recently, uh, in Shayla, they were trying to, they were going to use a creative evangelism technique anyway. When we uh, train for urban evangelism, urban ministry, it's more than just like go knock on doors and leave a tract underneath somebody's doors or in their hands. And uh, just are constantly encouraging, motivating to think outside the box. What are things 
that are are not just um, you know the old ways of doing things. And one thing that I had never seen before, I don't I don't know where the idea came from. I know that Diana said that she had used it in her district in El Salvador, which I'll interrupt myself. That's one of the reasons why I think that missions is really. Um, something that the church needs to be involved in because there might be something that's going on in another country that we just don't even know exists. And it's like you bring it in and it's like, this is so cool. Like, why haven't we known about this? Well, and that's one thing, like as we send missionaries for better or for worse, they come with like new ideas and like, why does it have to always be this way? And sometimes that's actually not received so no. well. <laughs> no. but, why are you changing everything? Yeah, why are you changing everything? <laughs> but but like if they're humble about it and, yep. and you know, not everything's going to work from one context and another, but uh, a lot of times, man, we need new fresh eyes. Right, right. And so this specific thing was super easy and I think that any church could do it. Uh, they had literally thought about just going and they had paid for 50 helium balloons and they paid for them. They were going to use it in the beginning of April. And so they were the way that their budgets work is they you have to like be thinking ahead so that you have money to do something. So they paid for these 50 balloons for the beginning of April. But, you know, like the third week of March, they go into this lockdown. And so they never used the balloons. They never even went and reached out to the store owner of, you know, can we get our money? back and uh, when Mission Sin Limites or Mission Without Limits came to Guatemala in December of 2020 they were trying to think of creative evangelism because by then the quarantine was over the lockdown was over they were still being careful they were still practicing all the protocol but they were thinking well we've got all these people coming to uh, be a presence in this city what can we do and for some reason they remembered those balloons they remembered that evangelism technique and they were like we're going to use this and it basically was just taking taking these handful of balloons out into the the community and because of the attractional nature of balloons people would see them walking around with them and it just kind of catches their eye and I think there's sometimes that we need to do things in evangelism that just gets somebody attention somebody's attention and so when they saw that somebody was really engaged and like why are you have this like 25 balloons in your hands that's pretty eye grabbing they would um you know and they would wait for the person to kind of engage them before they engage that conversation and so they would go up to the person and say, well, here's what we're doing. And and they called it, um, I now need to do the translation in my head, um, desires, balloon desires. And uh, it sounds better in Spanish. It really does. <laughs> but, but basically, like, what do you want? What, what would you ask of God? If you could ask God one thing, if it's a prayer request or just ask him something, write it on this little piece of paper, tie it to the end of the string and let it go and send it to God. You know, it's kind of like a metaphor. Uh, but they were able to open up spiritual conversations literally by being in the streets with balloons. And I thought those are the kind of things that God uses to open doors I think sometimes we think evangelizing is just like presenting the gospel to somebody that we don't even know. But what we were able to see through creativity like that is that God was opening doors to spiritual conversations because people definitely during the pandemic were seeking to understand more about a God that that they didn't understand during that year of their life for sure. But what do you think was one of the either a strategy or a victory? I mean, we've been hearing about some of the transformation stories or is there something that stuck out to you that was just, you know, God's really been talking to you about? Well, one thing, a lot. Um, first of all, the teams, both of the teams really worked a lot with children and, um, 
uh, children, I think, have been hit the hardest maybe by this pandemic. I think maybe the very elderly as well. Uh, but really, children just, they don't understand, I can't get together with my cousin or I can't get together with my friend. And and um, and they're not all, at least in our countries, they're not all on a cell phone, you know, and they're not just like, oh, no problem. I'll just adapt and I'll just, some have even lost entire years of school, you know. Yep. And so um, they really said, we must, both teams, we must invest in children. And some of those children, man, I mean, heartbreaking. Uh, some of the stories they were telling us, maybe going to tear up right now just thinking about it, but they were telling us that in both sites, there were some kids that just came and they literally would come with bruises yeah. on their faces. And uh, they would come like hurting and almost limping and because they had come from abusive homes. Right. And um, just how the how they were able to just invest in those people's lives, those kids' lives. And those kids would, you know, sometimes try to defend their, their dad. One kid, you know, just tried to defend his dad. No, he just has a hard time and he, he works really hard. And so he comes home and, you know, and, and just, but they would just keep loving in month after month and they would just keep, you know, helping them and loving them. And, uh, eventually, you know, seeing, we don't know all the, it's, we don't, have the story of the, their entire yet their whole mm -hmm. their whole right. family came to know the Lord or whatever. Right. But those kids, you know, two years later are are growing up now are are junior hires, you know, some of them and and now are kind of becoming more mature, both in the faith but also in in kind of their understanding of things. And they're praying, even kids. I mean, a child of ten years old that's just praying for their dad's salvation praying for their mom, praying for them. And, uh, they're starting to see transformation, right. you know? Right. And, um, you know, I know kids, I mean, you're our, you love our, the kids of our community and you are passionate about that. And I think it needs to be said, you know, we go and, uh, we want there to be an existing church and, and maybe two, even after they're done after two years. Uh, and that means you have to have members and, and usually members are the adults, you know, and you have to have people that are tithing and you have to have people that are in charge of ministries. And that is young people and adults. And, and, it, but it would be easy to just forget kids. But I think in this week, it's been a reminder to me to say, don't forget forget the children, yeah. those children, those are seeds that are being planted that you do not know how, where the harvest will come. You do right. not know how much fruit will, will, will come out of that. Yeah. You don't know the end of the story, but even like, as you're talking about children, I remember, uh, just a, a handful of days ago, um, Andrea, who was in Monterrey with her husband, Danny, um, was talking to us about a little girl named Andrea. So the missionaries named Andrea, but the little girl's named Andrea. And I believe that she's probably like 10 years old, 10, 11 years old, but she literally was saying she was from a family that her mom, uh, and dad just constantly sent her, but their family wasn't a part of it. But this little girl was and they were uh, helping them memorize scripture and this little girl was so spiritually in tuned. I think there's certain children that God has placed something Absolutely. special in, you know, and I, and I do believe, I don't know this little girl, but just hearing the story, I think, you know, God's got some big plans for her life, <laughs> but she was like, teacher, can you write the, uh, can you write the passage down for me? And if I had thought about it, I would look it up to tell you exactly what the passage was, but it was the one about, um, the Lord sets his angel to camp around his yes, children. Yes. And, um, it was just, you know, it was a simplified version of, of that. And uh, they wrote it down and she put, had her little piece of paper and she took it home. And her uh, brother, I believe it was, is, um, was very sick, very, very sick. Yeah. And 
It came to be a time when he could not leave the house, He, uh, whether it was because of fever or, and, and I don't believe it was COVID. I believe it was something else. Uh, but he was like locked in this room and the family didn't know what to do. And they really thought that it was going to be like the last few days that they had with him. That's how incredibly sick he was. And the um, elder of the house, I, I believe it was a grandfather. Again, I'm just hearing these stories and I'm realizing I need to hear this story again because it's so amazing. But I believe uh, the elder, of the, the house was just looking for anything. And uh, he was like, Andrea, to the little girl, Andrea, you've been going to this, you know, this community with children and, and the missionaries are teaching you, do you have a prayer? And um, and I believe he was based like on a, on a Catholic tradition, right? Because she pulls out uh, the Bible verse that they, that she had been given just like Literally a day before. Printed literally printed on her and she's like, well, I have this. It's a Bible verse. It's not a prayer, but they think that it's a prayer uh, almost as um, like the Catholics pray, the, the Hail Marys. And so they take this one little verse yeah, and they just start claiming the Lord's word over this boy. And I don't even think they knew what they were doing. They just knew that they needed something and the Lord had placed his word in her hands through missionaries that were there to be a part of her life. And they just continually said, and the Lord sets his angel to camp around his children. The Lord sets his angel to camp around his children. And they repeated it over and over and over again. And the next day, that little boy was healed. Mm. He came out of the room and and he had felt the presence. He felt something in his room. And even the little girl gave testimony when she came back to that children's club with Andre and Dani and, and told her the story, told them the story. And she said, you know, I don't know what happened in that space. She said, but when we were saying these words that you told me to memorize, she said, I could feel something there. And I think it's just amazing to be a part of God's supernatural movement when we put ourselves in positions to let God use us and not limit it to an age. They weren't like, oh, it's only children here. Like we're here to start a church and a church needs adults that are tithing. Like that wasn't what their mentality was. And God used a little girl to impact a child's life and brought supernatural healing. And just like you said, we don't know the end of that story, but I have to believe that God's presence was manifest in that place and that it will bear more fruit than even just that one story has shown us. Well, there's two other uh, stories that come to my mind even as you say that um honestly when they were invited up in monterey they got there and danny and andrea are a couple or i think we said that a married couple um and so you know they they just were invited as as the district you know hey could you just give a testimony and it was like we as missionaries we have to be like ready i mean you never know like they they went attending like going to this district event not knowing they were going to be invited to get up in front of everybody right and this was pre-pandemic um and so they're still meeting and everything and so they said let's you know could you just share for five or ten minutes and they're like absolutely yeah we'll share our testimony and share our call they ended up sharing and afterwards another couple came up and their names are alan and astrid and that couple came up and they just were like we really want to know more we really want to kind of talk with you. Um, You know, I think God may be calling us to missions, you know? And it's like, what? I mean, like (laughs) literally we're talking about this. We did not know that story until this week of re-entry retreat. Well, we didn't know the story, 
But we're in contact literally this week or the, like a, a week before with Alan and Astrid <laughs> right. who are like, we are interested in missions. And there seems to be opening up some doors. We don't know, but there seems to be that it's God's timing and that they're going to be missionaries. Mm-hmm. It could be with Genesis. It could be with something else. Um, you know, another need that's that's available. But they're a dynamite couple that because of that, two years ago, they started to study theology. They started to prepare. They started to get involved in missions. Uh, they really really became kind of, even though they're a little older, I think, than Donnie and Andrea, um, they became their disciples in ministry, you know, yeah. and just kind of learned from them. And how do you plant a church? And now they're actually in charge of a church plant in Monterey there, you know. Um, it's just awesome. And then the other one was um, that, you know, the the group in Shela in Quetzaltenango, uh, man, they're just frustrated. They're just like, they're, they're at home. They're like, what do we do during a pandemic? Well, they said people are still going to the market. Everyone's masked up and they have to social distance, but there's still a market at least. And so they'd become friends with one saleswoman and, uh, at a, at a small, you know, small tienda shop there. And so they just were like, uh, Hey, you know, we have kind of this idea. Would it be okay if we just kind of put a box. It's just like almost you would see at restaurants, like the suggestion box or, you know, at different places. Um, Let us know what you think, you know, but they actually said, we're going to put a prayer box here. And so (laughs) they had, you know, they, they equipped it or they put like right next to it, they put some uh, 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 pens and paper, just scraps of paper there and just, Hey, you can write, you you know, if you want to put your name and if you want to put your, your phone number, that's cool too. But we will be praying for this. They were like, at least we can pray. What can we do during during pandemic, we can pray, you know. It reminded me of like a Valentine's box in the United States, how we make boxes That's to true. receive Valentine's. That's true. Yeah. It was real cute. Good point. Yeah, exactly. So you just put it in the slot and stuff. And so they're just like, Lord, we're praying over this. And Lord, we pray that you would do a great thing. Well, first week, they come back. Nothing. I mean, nothing. They're like, no one has caught the idea. No one's grabbed the idea. This is a shocker. Yeah. This is a fail, you know? And so next week they come and there's only one person in there. One, one little scrap of paper. And probably gum wrappers. <laughs> yeah, and gum wrappers. People had put in. Yeah. So we've all been there. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. It's discouraging, but they said there's one person. So they followed up with this one person. His name was Orlando. And Orlando needed healing, but he also was really discouraged in, in his life, and especially during time of COVID and everything. And so they were able to call him. He put his, his phone number, and they were able to call and follow up with him. Well, uh, Orlando eventually uh, became a dear friend. He would come to the home when uh, the pandemic would permit. Uh, it was kind of getting a little better. Uh, and he would come and celebrate their birthdays with them. And he became, you know, one of the key key uh, components of that mission and of that church. And But then third week, well, there were two or three. And then fourth week, there were other. And they started, people started to know that place in the market was the place to go for prayer requests, you know. And so they started just, just filling that thing up. And so from their rooms, when they supposedly couldn't do anything in a pandemic, four missionaries were just praying and praying and praying. Some of those contacts, you know, ended up being contacts, members of the church. Some of those contacts didn't, but they still just were praying for them. They never met that person, but this person has a need. We want to be a blessing to our city. And that's what we talk about. I mean, we, when we train them, we say, you are being sent to be a blessing to the city. Yeah. The city is is the is the heart of so much uh, crime, so much poverty, uh, so many things that are horrible. 
but you have come to be a blessing to the families of the city. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, the Jeremiah 29 that we will probably have on our tombstone someday. <laughs> <laughs> Pray for the peace of the city. Like, yeah. I think it's interesting to me that it almost took a global pandemic for some of our urban missionaries to be like, we should be praying for our city. Yeah. You know, yeah. we often feel like that's a strategy that's just like, oh, when I have time. But there was something about the global pandemic mm. that caused all six of the missionaries that were sent during this time to be like, we're taking this seriously. Like prayer is what we can do. And it's not just a, if we can, or all we can do, it really became the bedstone of what they were doing. I think one of the other things that I heard in the Shayla testimony that when I think back through how many missionaries with the Genesis initiative that we've been able to interview and listen to their stories. And uh, I think you and I are two of the most blessed people in the entire world to get to hear all of the stories. There's no way we could tell all of the stories that we've heard. God's so good to us Um, is there is like this underlying current of how many missionary teams, when they go into these neighborhoods that have been identified by church leadership, that they say, you know, we started kind of uh, knowing the community, knocking on doors, trying to get to know the neighbors, because usually what they're doing is they're looking for a place that we uh, typically call just like this place of peace, a house of right? Peace. A house of peace. Um And there are so many sites that say, you know, we knocked on a door and somebody more often than not says, we've been praying for somebody to come. We've been praying. And I think it's so encouraging to be a missionary that knows this is not my idea. This is not something that I come bringing to the community, but like that provenient grace that God is literally answering somebody's prayer through my obedience. That's so encouraging to me to listen to as a missionary, because sometimes I feel like, well, it's everything that I'm doing in my own strength, but like to take the step back and say, God is truly at work, orchestrating, organizing, putting all of these things together. It's not the first time that we've heard that. And Shayla said there was a house that now is currently where the church is meeting, where there will be a church that's organized in the coming days. I believe it in faith um, that started out because there was a family that is very strong Catholic family praying to God saying, we need somebody to come and help our community know who you are. And they, it's amazing to hear what God has been doing in that family, but in the community, because he's answering the prayers of people that are praying. One of the things we do during re-entry retreat is we ask them to put together kind of a slideshow and they're not explaining anything. They can put some words on there. So we know kind of this is this person and this is what happened. And, uh, but man, we were watching those slideshows and just bawling. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I cry easily anyway. So. I cry. I apparently do as well. Right, it's infectious. <laughs> yeah. But like just seeing like, I mean, the last few months, baptisms, membership, praise the Lord, you know, I mean, new churches, new family. I mean, just, it's been awesome. I think we probably should finish just saying thank you to all those people who have prayed. I mean, there, there are different people that are hearing this in our region, outside of our region. We know uh, that have just prayed for these six missionaries Mm -hmm. that have prayed in general, maybe for, for Genesis ministry. And thank you to all their districts that have, have supported in a pandemic. we, Emily, you and I knew, like, we, we, we didn't know, I should say, in the moment. There's a pandemic. Are, I mean, people are losing jobs. You know, uh, are they going to be even able to continue to support their missionaries? Right. But all six of them are here. Yeah. Two years later, yep. saying, 
God was faithful, but it, he was faithful through his church. Yeah. And so we just need to say thank you. Uh, pray for them. When you're hearing this, you will be, uh, they will be really in the middle of their home assignment. I mean, it's, it's interesting. They'll return home and they, we still ask them to do three, uh, three months of just sharing and thanking and saying, uh, this is what God has done. Um, so pray for them. But really, I mean, maybe someone is listening to this and would say, I am feeling like I want to do that. Right. I, I want to, or, or I want to give, or I want to yeah. pray or whatever. How can they get a hold of us? Em? Yeah. Um, always look for us on our Facebook page, which is the worthless servants podcast. Uh, we also have a Facebook page that's dedicated specifically to the Genesis ministry. So you can find us through Mesoamerica Genesis on Facebook. Um, you can find the website of Mesoamerica Genesis. In fact, I bet if you Google, I know if you Google Mesoamerica Genesis, it'll be the first thing that yeah. pops up. If you just put in Genesis, it won't be the first thing <laughs> no, that pops up. No. So Mesoamerica Genesis is important. Um, but also you can send us an email. Uh, the email that you can send us to is mission with one S M I S I O N and then global G L O B A L at mesoamericaregion.org. It's like the longest email address yeah, right. in the entire world. We recognize that, but we love it. So I'm going to say it one more time. Mission with one S, M-I-S-I-O-N, global, G-L-O-B-A-L, at mesoamericaregion.org. I feel like I'm doing a live read for like a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this kind of is a commercial. I'm not going to lie. That's I mean, right. we want you. Yes. We're, we're, we're literally praying for 20 missionaries for next yeah. year. You know, 20, Wouldn't it be 20 great if workers. I gave us like 38. Yes. 38. I like your we faith. We should do a podcast about like big things that we want. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he can do immeasurably more. That'll preach. Oh, I can ask and imagine a lot. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it. We just wanted to give, I mean, we wanted to pause and just say, let's get out the podcast equipment. Let's just do this. I mean, this is amazing what God is doing. Crazy. So we wanted you to be a part of it. Uh, we are the worthless servants and this time we're not a lot of them, <laughs> but I'm Scott Armstrong. And I'm Emily Armstrong. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoamericaGenesis.org.